Welcome to the Weekly Rundown podcast, where your veteran hosts, Phil and Andy, will be covering curated topics in sports. And a lot has happened in the past week. Phil, how are we? Doing good. How's it going? A lot of interesting things to discuss this week. It's going well. It's going well. We can't cover it all. So as we said, these will be will be focused on just a handful of things. Maybe you could call it the top stories, or at least the ones that we're most interested in, right? Right, right. I think we're going to touch on the NFL playoffs, um, provide a yeah, little we'll, bit of a we preview. Could pretend, we could pretend that the first game hasn't already gotten <laughs> underway. Right. Um, we'll cover the uh, bowl game uh, updates uh, in college football, as well as yeah. the Heisman Trophy winner, uh, which was a bit of a surprise. I agree. I agree. Uh, and I'll just touch really quickly on NCAA basketball. You know, it's we're kind of mid-season, and it's things are going, you know, pretty much as planned, at least as well as they can go in a COVID uh, type of year. But uh, the big news there, and we won't cover it this much, uh, much this week, but the big news in NCAA basketball, of course, is that they've decided to sort of play in a in a mini bubble, not mini, but in a in a in an expanded soft bubble for the whole tournament. And they're going to get everybody in the tournament uh, this year, the March Madness tournament into Indianapolis and just have everybody in the same city. And that's what they're planning to do. So we'll talk about that, though, a little bit farther down the line. We don't have to cover it too much now. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just know that uh, the top teams are are sort of being the top teams. There's a few surprises, but but uh, we'll we'll move on. We'll we'll cover NCAA basketball a little more in one of these weeks to come because the big news this week really is football. We'll we'll talk about the NBA also. I don't think mm-hmm. we mentioned that. We'll get into the NBA a little bit because the NBA is always fun to talk about. Uh, but first, I think we should we should dive into college football. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, uh, Championship games teed up uh, last week. We saw kind of a surprise. I think I predicted Clemson was going to handle uh, Ohio State. And um, uh, Ohio State, I think, uh, surprised a lot of people. Brought a real physical game to um, Clemson and just sort of dominated them uh, throughout the game. Um, I don't know if you were able to uh, watch it or if you have any I, thoughts on that. I did. You know, I... I uh... I agree that I think it was a little bit of a surprise. I expected Clemson to win. I think that that's more based on the past. I don't think we should be that surprised that Ohio State beat them. I think that maybe the manner a little bit uh, was a surprise, but I mean, I think a lot of the skepticism about Ohio State going in was that because they only played six games leading into this game, right? right and so, right. and and Clemson more or less played a whole season and. Uh, and so I, I think that was a lot of it. I think it was a lot of it. I think if we saw Ohio State play their full schedule, uh, beat all of the usual suspects and, you know, play a couple of, of good non-conference games and win those and come in undefeated, as they did, even though, granted, it was only six games, uh, I think that the story would have been different going in and it wouldn't have been as big of a surprise. But here we are. I mean, it's 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 really... Beforehand, it's a surprise, but I think looking back, uh, it shouldn't be too much of a surprise that Ohio State won that game. Right. And I think the star uh, that's sort of uh, come out of uh, this game uh, is uh, the Ohio, or excuse me, the Oklahoma State transfer, uh, who's now playing for um, Ohio State, Trey Sermon, the running back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy's run for over 
uh, 500 yards in the past two games. Uh, when Ohio State, uh, prior to the uh, Clemson game, they played uh, Northwestern, and he put up 330-plus yards on them. And Northwestern um, is a good team. I mean, Northwestern's a, yeah, yeah, reputable yeah. team. Um, and then he just continued on with that uh, against Clemson, putting up uh, over 190 yards and just really controlling and just uh, um, just bringing a physical aspect to the game you weren't expecting. You usually see with these ACC, SEC teams, them sort of dominating the, uh, you know, uh, controlling the line, being the physical, um, uh, you know, football team. Um, but um, it was really uh, interesting to watch, and uh, he's 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 something else, and uh, I, he's coming out in the draft this year, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But uh, he's much bigger, or he's he's not as big as what he looks like uh, on the field. Um, but I think he goes about six foot, two hundred two hundred twenty pounds. But he looks mm. much bigger than that. But just outstanding uh, balance. Uh, you know, physical at the point of contact, hard to bring down, but just a fun player to watch. It's going to be tough, you know. Uh, running backs, their I wouldn't say their reputation, but the the uh, their value has sort of taken a hit over the last decade or so. Yeah, in the yeah. NFL, I mean, we still see some going high in the draft, of mm-hmm. course, uh, and we've seen a few winning Heisman trophies and such, mm-hmm. but they're a little bit i mean they're they're a lot less highly touted and and valued on a on an nfl roster i mean it, people view them at least most of them as m- more or less interchangeable and so it will be it'll be interesting to see yeah, when, and when somebody that that uh dominant well and we we've seen people like uh barkley saquon barkley mm-hmm. you know go high derrick henry Ezekiel you know, Elliott, yeah, exactly for obvious reasons, and mm-hmm. so yeah, it'll it will be interesting with with such a short. Uh, I won't say such such a short, but you're right. He wasn't he wasn't moving a lot of needles. He wasn't getting a lot of attention mm-hmm. leading up into uh, this last month or so. Yeah, just quickly, just so along those lines, um, it is. I I definitely agree. The the running back position has been sort of undervalued, but I can't. I I would say understandably so. I think mm-hmm. if there's any position in football that's it's been uh, demonstrated historically that you can get quality production out of with little investment in terms of like uh, low low um, uh, draft pick or even a rookie free agent, um, it's running back. And so uh, I think that's why you're seeing outside of Saquon Barkley uh, recently. I think it was 2017. Um, you're, you're not seeing a lot of teams putting a lot of value in the running back position. Um, although there's obviously there's still some that are uh, better than, uh, better than others. But if you look at the top 10 uh, running backs this year in terms of uh, rushing yards, I want to say uh, seven of them um, are not even drafted. We're, we're not drafted in the first round. Right. So that speaks, uh, speaks to the, the notion of the position being. Um, sure. Unless you've got somebody extra special. Right. right. If you have a good scheme and you have a good offensive line, which most of these teams do, it will you can plug it's almost plug and play if you have somebody. There are enough players out there who fit the mold, right? Are are big enough, strong enough, can carry a ball, uh, have done it at a high level for years already at one of these top schools, mm-hmm. one of these top programs. I mean, they they uh 
it's pretty interesting. It's pretty, you know, it, what you need to do is just, just uh, hit the hole. Right. Right. I mean, right. I, I mean I'm, obviously I'm way oversimplifying it, but <laughs> you, gotta you, hit know, the you, don't, you don't have to got to run that ball. Yeah, exactly. You have to carry the ball forward. <laughs> no, it's, uh, but it is, it is pretty interesting. And, and that makes those running backs that do stand out uh, even more impressive, I think. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, but speaking of drafting too, I don't think that game will have changed anybody's opinion about where Trevor Lawrence is going to get drafted. Uh, no. But does it? Do you think it changes uh, the his legacy at all, or uh, people's impression of of him? I mean, it's uh, they lost their other Clemson's other loss this season was when he was not playing, right? Right. Uh, but here we are. I mean, again, I think Ohio State was under uh, what was uh, underrated coming mm-hmm. into that game mm-hmm. because of their short season. Yeah, but do you think it sullies his his rep at all? No, not at all. No. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to remember that um, there's a number of, of um, Hall of Fame caliber QBs that never won or weren't successful in the postseason. Of course, of course. Uh, yeah. In in college football, I mean, Peyton Manning for one never won a championship. Um, no. Um, you know. Um, the highly touted, like an Andrew Luck, right? At right, Stanford. Andrew Luck. They were Luck. not going to win. They were yeah. not going to win a national championship. Um, it, uh, Justin Herbert for uh, oh yeah, Chargers. You know, um, it, I mean, you can go, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can yeah, go they down expected the list. to win, but mm-hmm. yeah, they never would have expected to win a, a yeah. national championship, of course. And, and, and so I said all that to say this is he he has won a championship. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Last year, so uh, I mean, if if his legacy is being tarnished for not winning a second one i mean my gosh we've set the standard too high right well except that clemson in general had high expectations as well i mean it's not like he was on some middling team that you know i won't say middling but you know a a good team Mm -hmm. that people wouldn't have expected to be in the playoff type of thing i mean clemson was a favorite from the beginning obviously in a large part because of him but I think that uh, leading that Clemson team, your expectations are higher. Uh, right. And, you know, you have championship aspirations, uh, just like being at Alabama. But, yes, I agree. I don't, I don't think that people will look back and say, well, he couldn't win a second one, so, you know, no wonder he, you know, bombed in the NFL. You know, I mean, no, it's not going right. to happen. But, but uh, it is interesting that it was such a surprise to people. I think it was as much of a surprise to people that that uh, Clemson didn't win as it, you know, it was sort of equivalent surprise that Trevor Lawrence didn't win. Right, you right. Know, and it, that is big. I agree. Those expectations are a little big to put on one player's shoulders. Yeah, and it's interesting to know that um, Justin Fields, the QB for Ohio State, and mm-hmm. uh, Lawrence have gone back, uh, uh, have competed against one another uh, since high school uh they were rated the number one and two prospects coming out of high school um together um and you know obviously have been in terms of uh the draft nicks eyes uh, these guys are the uh, lawrence is obviously the number one and fields is uh long been considered the uh the second qb qb qb2 to come off the the board uh, mm-hmm. when the draft rolls around 
So it's interesting how their careers are sort of linked together and, and how that will um, continue on in the NFL. Uh, yep. Yeah, those are fun. I like stories like that. You see that a lot in the NBA too, mm-hmm. right? These guys that might have mm-hmm. competed against each other in state championships and, you know, coming yeah. up in high school and then they're on the, you know, competing uh, AAU teams or, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, college, and et cetera, et cetera. And then you hear about that when they get to the NBA. It's like, oh, well, yeah, we, they're friends because they've known each other and been competing e- with each other since they were kids. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's more rare in football, I think so spread out but but yeah it's fun it's fun yeah do you think uh fields you think those are they're both locks to go top five top ten i think so. uh i would definitely say i, I obviously lawrence is going to go number one but um it's hard to say whether it, how teams view fields in terms of going number two i think he's very likely to be the number two quarterback taken although mm-hmm. um BYU has a um, a top prospect uh, coming yeah. out as well, Zach Wilson. They had a strong season, yeah. Yeah, and um, there's is Mac Jones, Alabama, coming out. Uh, he is, but he's not um, as highly as um, right. thought of as these top three prospects. Um, and the number two and the number three are sort of uh, vying for that second uh, to be that QB two taken off the board. Yeah, but it really, that, it's really yeah. just like ice cream flavors, right? Everyone likes ice creams, uh, but it's depends on what flavor you want. So, uh, I'm not sure if the jets see, uh, fields as uh, a replacement for Darnold or, um, or if it's Wilson or if, if they even take a, uh, QB, they may want to keep, continue to run it back with Darnold and just, um, help build the offensive line and take a, an, an offensive tackle there at number two. Usually works out pretty well when teams go that way. Yeah, yeah, build through the line. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Mac Jones, uh, how do you feel about the Heisman Trophy results? You're talking about uh, Devonta uh, Devonta Smith. Yeah, Devonta Smith. I mean, I think he was a deserving pick. Uh, I think Mac Jones had an argument. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you? I mean, I I hadn't been following it all season. Uh, yeah, it was such a sweet, strange, topsy turvy season, and so it it sort of fell off my radar. But uh, I it was a surprise to me too. I, of course, I knew about Devontae Smith and he, yeah. being part of that Alabama offense. Yeah, this season, but I did not expect him at the wide receiver to win the yeah. Heisman. And so, what? I mean, did you? He, do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, it, it it was a bit of a surprise for me. I mean, he definitely. Um, I thought he was deserving to be in the conversation. I think if Lawrence um, beat Ohio State, I think it might have been a different mm. outcome. I think that might have changed sort of the per- perspective of Lawrence. Uh, I think it might have been a closer race for the Heisman. But with all that said, um, I mean, Devonta Smith had a phenomenal year. Uh, some are saying he's the best um, Bama wide receiver to come out in the past a few years and that includes uh henry ruggs uh that came out yesterday came out yesterday came out last year he plays for the uh the raiders um and uh jerry judy he plays for the uh, broncos um both of the uh, those guys were first round draft picks last year um but he devonta smith is an interesting guy right he's six foot he he's super skinny he goes about 175 pounds mm. Um, he's actually not a burner. You would think he's, you know, a super fast guy, not, not slow by any means, but not elite speed like his, uh, counterpart, uh, Waddle or Ruggs last year. 
Uh, I think Ruggs ran in like a 429 uh, 40 uh, in mm-hmm. the combine. And no one expects uh, Smith to run that um, at the combine. But he's just crafty, um, knows how to get open, knows how to get separation. Um, is just one of those guys that um, are hard to project because you don't see the physical traits uh, uh, in terms of like metrics, athletic metrics come up, um, but the production's there. And um, I wonder though if teams will get sort of shy away mm-hmm. from him um, given his sort of lean stature. He kind of right. reminds me, and I'm not saying this is his destiny, but he kind of reminds me a bit of uh, Ted Ginn uh, I don't know if you remember him. Actually, sure, former but Buck guy. Kind of, sure, but he kind of became a return specialist. Return specialist, yeah. Uh, never actually developed into like a you know um, number one wideout for any team. Always was a great returner, and that continued through his whole career. But never fully developed into uh, you know um, a lead receiver. Was always complimentary. Uh, and again, not saying that that's Smith's sort of future, but. Uh, to me, he's that. That's a comp, uh, a, a, compar- a comparable player. Um, I think Smith is a better receiver um, overall uh, than Ginn, and Ginn had the speed, and that's what made him special. Um, right. It's. I mean, he doesn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. Uh, Devontae Smith doesn't have the tools that we have come to expect in NFL receivers these days, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the mm-hmm. NFL wide receivers. The most successful ones, it seems like, not all of them, but most of the successful ones these mm-hmm. days have more of a kind of a big, strong, you know, almost a tight end build mm-hmm. that can, but also have the speed. And he right. doesn't have any of that. Right. Right. I mean, he, so he has to really carve himself out a, a, uh, a specialty or like you said, he has to scrap for, for what he gets it just on, on, on skill alone or i I, it's it's tough to see him it's tough to see him as a standout receiver right and 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 if he is you know uh if if a team drafts him early do they view him as a super a super two or do they see him as a lead receiver um and if that's the case if it's the the former not the latter then uh why would you draft him high um if you don't foresee him as a like a top-notch uh lead receiver Right. Uh, with all that said, the scouting departments are going to have to do their homework because they're they're going to have to figure out what makes them special. Is it is it Alabama's uh, scheme? Um, right. Is right. it is it is he a product of that, um, or is it something that he's doing? Um, is he more mature as a or developed as a root runner um, than mm. most of his peers in college? That is what is making him special. Yeah, uh, he, he, I don't think he'll go in a high round. I mean, it, it, but that's not rare for a Heisman Trophy winner, right? We, right. we, we see that these great college players uh, that don't, that don't necessarily. Yeah, that's right. Jump into a great NFL player. The Heisman Trophy has nothing to do with your, your pros, your, your, um, your pro prospects, uh, your, your prospect as an NFL player, I should say, or um, your draft status. Uh, I mean, we've seen, We've seen Heisman Trophy winners go undrafted. I mean, right. I think of uh, Gino Toretta. I don't know if you remember him from uh, Miami. Miami. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't even drafted. Uh, there was other, um, I think Charlie Ward won the uh, 
Heisman. Do you remember yeah. he played basketball for FSU? For Florida That's right, State. Florida State. He was a yeah. two-sport, yeah. yeah. I think he was drafted in the later rounds, uh, but much later uh, rounds, like seventh seventh pick, seventh round. Um, I, I could go down the list, but uh, yeah, you're like you were saying, it just – uh, the, winning the award, the award is for the best college player of that year. It's not the best pro prospect. So, um, yeah, I mean, I and I, so I have to go back here though. To uh, speaking of uh, NFL running backs, we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it the best college player? Because this year, not this year, a few years ago, we ha- we saw this with uh, uh, what's his name, Christian uh, McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And Derrick Henry, right? And nobody mm-hmm. was going to argue that Derrick Henry was not a great player. And right. he's, he has gone on to be a great NFL player. Obviously, he went over 2,000 yards this mm-hmm. season for the Titans. But Christian McCaffrey has surprisingly become a very good NFL player also. Right. But he had arguably the best season in college football of the last 20, 30 years and didn't win his year. You know, Derrick Henry won the Heisman Trophy that year. I mean, he Christian McCaffrey broke multiple records and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. I mean, I don't want to get into a, uh, you know, West coast, East coast bias right. uh, discussion here, but, uh, I mean, how much of it is being in a top program, right. Or, or being one of the uh, biggest winners. Like you said, if, if Clemson hadn't lost to Ohio state, they might've handed the Heisman to Trevor Lawrence again. Uh, you know, it, it well, it, I mean, I this think is, we don't we don't need to get into too big of a discussion about this, but yeah. But do you think? I mean, I think it's it's arguable that Devontae Smith uh, was not the best player in college football this season. However, he still deserved the Heisman. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I totally get it. And um, and that's the thing too is um, there's there's a number of factors, right? So typically, it seems like. 80% of the time, your Heisman winner, Heisman Trophy winner is going to be a QB. Why? Because QBs handle the ball the most. They're the most valuable players. They impact their teams the most. Um, and so it makes sense that they would be looked at as, uh, you know, if they're having a phenomenal year, uh, that they'd be looked at as the best player. I think, I think, though, when you're looking at a bunch of players that all else – all things being equal, I think you look at it in the context of their competition, and I think that may weigh in, factor into the decision. Uh, you know, you're, you're talking about an SEC conference versus the Pac-10 or Pac-12 um, competition, right? It's all right. I still call it the Pac-10 too, <laughs> right? But yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, Christian McCaffrey had probably, arguably, one of the best seasons ever as a running back, um, and even before that, his his teammate. His predecessor, uh, Bryce Love, um, he he had a phenomenal year, um, and so um, and many thought he should have won the uh, Heisman. So uh, you know who knows if there's biases, but um, I think it definitely level of competition definitely plays a role. I mean, there's a reason why. I guarantee you, if you look through the lower level um, conferences, you'll find outstanding. Um, players from uh, lesser conferences that have put up phenomenal numbers, but um, well, sure, sure. Don't, don't even get a, um, a sniff because it, it's just the, they're playing in Conference USA versus the SEC. 
Right, so. right. And that's a li- yeah, that, we can go down this uh, this argument too. I mean, it's sort of like the NBA MVP, right? They're not going to give that award to a, to a player who's on a losing team or, you know, on a really bad, you know, bottom of the, yeah. of, the uh, of the standings type of team, right? I mean, they don't factor in playoff and championship wins, you know, right. supposedly in that in that voting, but they're going to give it to a team that's one of the favorites, right? Somebody on a team that's that's one of the top teams. And that well, sort of makes sense, right? I mean, you you have you should be contributing to a team that's winning and is is one of obviously one of the best teams also. I mean, that that it sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't I know. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on. Let's move sure. on. It's uh yeah. Congratulations, Devontae Smith. <laughs> you deserve it. Yeah. Um, oh, I think somebody's using a, a blender in a, the room next to me. I hope uh, it's not too loud. All right. Uh, speaking of, well, let's stay on college football a little bit sure. here because there's a couple of coaching uh, uh, there's items in the news. One, let's, uh, let's get into, uh, well, let's just touch quickly on Sarkeesian to Texas, right? Uh, sure off of Alabama's staff because Sarkeesian has a history. If you follow college football, mm-hmm. uh, this guy, uh, you know, has, uh, he's made the rounds, you know, he's paid his dues, however you want to put it. Uh, how do you feel about that? I mean, Texas is a big program and they have been uh, underachieving by their standards for a few years ever since. Uh, it, well, it's, yeah, time flies, but the last time that they were relevant was uh, Vince Young. Wow! Yeah, see, that's, that's um, I think that's way too long for the for that school and those fans, right? Yeah, and I th- I want to say even one of these past years recently, uh, they didn't have a player drafted, which is, seems unfathomable um, when you think back of the long history of Texas uh, and just the the quality of players that they've put into the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as Sarkeesian's, uh, you know, concern. Uh, uh, it seems like they've got a carousel of coaching changes every three or four years over there. Uh, they demand uh, if you if you know having lived in Texas and knowing sort of how football is just uh, dominant there, um, having a um, competitive college football team or specifically UT, which is the crown jewel of Texas, um, you got to put together a winner there, and they haven't had that success there in quite a bit of time so you, you it's think it'll work you think it'll work who knows because well, here's the thing right he was on pete carroll's staff right at usc right yes he came out of that uh lane kiffin uh, uh line right uh, under uh, pete carroll mm-hmm. but he did have success it was washington right or was it washington state i think it was washington uh, I think last week we talked about when we were younger, when we were growing up, <laughs> the Washington football program was one. I mean, it was a favorite every single year uh, out west in the pack, still pack ten, and it, they were dominant. They were they That's it was right. a given. It was That's a given right. that they were going to be yeah. they were going to be in a big bowl game, and you yeah. know we're making a taking a run at the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then they fell off totally, fell off the map, and I don't know what happened. I, I kind of lost touch, I guess. But they were. I mean, they had a couple of zero win seasons i think when he uh when he showed up there if i remember right and then he he turned it around and it worked and to the point that he got handed the, the usc job yeah but, but then it it all went down from there right no, uh right yeah 
Yeah, you, you just when you're talking, it just got me thinking. Uh, not to get off track here, but it is strange when we think about it. Uh, I, I wonder. You know, I haven't done a deep dive on what the root cause of all these, the downfall of all these programs. But you're right. I'm trying to think back of what happened to Washington because they were like dominant for a few years. Uh, it seemed like around the same time. I, I can't even remember if it was before or after, but. Do you remember when Colorado was? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 Because they were in the, the uh, well, it was Big 8 and then Big 12. And they yeah. were they were one of the top teams when we were younger. Yeah. yeah. Colorado. Uh, and now it's the opposite where you think, oh, how is Colorado ever going to be relevant again? <laughs> right. Even in the Pac-12. Yeah. And, and then for a few years, it was uh, Tommy Frazier in Nebraska. Oh, uh, gosh. So it's it's... I wonder if it really just is, um, you know, you cap, capture lightning in a bottle, you get a few dominant uh, players. Um, you know, I know when when Washington and when it was it was the Huskies' heyday, they had a a top top notch uh, prospect defensive tackle named uh, Steve Entman. Yeah, um, of course, yeah, well, it's got to be staff, right? I mean, it has to be has coaching. To be. Was it was it New Heisel? Was that who was there? Sounds about right, but um, uh, I don't know if that was under his. Yeah, yeah, and then in, in Nebraska they had Tom Osborne. I mean, and you know right. these people that had. It, you're right. It, it, it was so much more though than lightning in a bottle. At least at Nebraska, I mean, it was it was a it was a long period of st- sustained success. It was under yeah. Tom Osborne, and so it there must be something to whether it's just the head coach or it's the staff or the you know, the scouting or the recruiting, whatever the full, uh, you know, system is that these head coaches put in place has to be the difference. I mean, you saw it at USC. We just talked about Pete Carroll and he has these, uh, this coaching tree and he was a huge success at USC. I mean, USC was, they were another one that was a given to be in the national championship conversation for years under Pete Carroll. Yeah, you know what I would say too is, and I have nothing to base this off. Of, I've done zero research on it, but you know, this was all. My memory goes back to the, the you know, the early '90s and late '90s and early 2000s. Um, but it seems to me that there wasn't uh, a lot of underclassmen declaring for the mm-hmm. draft, uh, and, and so you had more longevity in terms of top tier players sticking mm-hmm. with the program. Um, you know, obviously it's never been like um, college basketball where you're having, you know, one and done. Uh, that sure. It's not, doesn't happen. But I still think the culture of football back then was you stayed all four years. Um, yep. And, and yep. anyone leaving as an underclassman was sort of an anomaly. It wasn't uh, the expectation, whereas that's sort of just a given nowadays. Um, so it puts a lot more emphasis on recruiting. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then in that case... If you're winning, it makes it a lot easier to recruit. Right. It's sort of, yeah, it sort of feeds itself, right? Yeah, you're successful. You, you're able to have more recruiting uh, power. Um, well, and, and I have to say, too, I mean, I've read a little bit out here on the West Coast, right? We've, uh, we've been in the sort of a rut in the Pac-12 as far as football is mm-hmm. concerned. And, and, you know, arguably basketball, too. And there has to be something... Uh, involving the conference leadership too, right? I mean, an mm-hmm. emphasis that they put on certain sports or certain systems or, I, I th- you know, revenue streams or whatever it might be. I feel like if you go and, the, you know, look at the way the SEC is set up, 
my guess is it's just a lot more favorable to, <laughs> yeah. to you know, for those football programs at those schools, you know, from the, from the staff all the way down to, you know, the administration and the students and the boosters. And I mean, it, it's just, it's, it's all set up to succeed. 100%. In yeah. a different way than these Pac-12 schools are. If you're a, if you're in the SEC and even the ACC, you know, not only are the head coaches like seen as deity, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, even the assistant coaches are, are like known uh, oh. individuals with uh, that have cachet. Um, yeah. it, whereas I don't think I could go through the Pac-12 and name the, all the coaches. I'd probably hit no. have it like a 60% uh, success rate naming all the coaches of each team. Uh, let alone the uh, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinators at each right. schools. It's and just a different here we culture. Are, yeah, and we're out here on the West, and yet you could name multiple SEC coaches. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Right? And coaching staffs. Yeah, and, and yes, it, that has just become, the, you know, the, the way it is. But again, I mean, is it, it can't stay this way. I mean, you would expect these schools in the, in the West, in the Pac-12, I mean, how, how does it have to happen? Does it is it a conference thing or is it a school by school thing? You don't see these well, top coaches coming out f- here anymore. I, I feel like the closest we came to sort of shifting power was uh, there was a th- four or five year span there with Oregon, um, right. uh, Chip Chip Kelly, Chip Kelly, uh, and just um, the money that Nike was throwing at um, University of Oregon in terms of mm-hmm. helping them build these phenomenal. Um, uh, training facilities. facilities. Right. Um, oh. um, also, you know, people give them flack all the time for uh, Oregon seems seemingly has it, a, a, a unique uniform for each, yeah. each, uh, each game, <laughs> every game. Yeah. But um, you know, I've, I've heard people discuss this uh, uh, and that's appealing to uh, think about being an 18, 19 year old kid. Sure. And uh, they put out cool uniforms. You're not wearing, you know, some drabby, Uniform. I, I mean, I'm thinking of in the perspective of an 18 or 19 year old. Of course, you know you have these traditional uniforms that are classics. Uh, you know, if, if you know, I saw something sh- bright, sh- shiny and bright um, in my eyes, I might gravitate towards that. And well, uh, and just the Nike connection. The Nike right? connection. I mean, yeah, exactly. Right. And I said all that to say this: they were recruit. They they um, they put a lot of quality talent into the NFL, um, yep. and they just couldn't get over the top. They were competitive. Yeah. Seemingly, uh, but it always got their um, uh, their nose broke in the championship game. Um, um, so I think that's the closest we've come. We haven't seen Stanford really put together a good run. Yeah, well, I mean, even the the USC's and UCLA's, the Arizona. Mm-hmm. I mean, Arizona again was a pretty good program growing up. The even Washington and Washington State. I mean, over the years, we've seen them all mm-hmm. have short runs of real success yeah they may might not have uh you know been beating alabama you know lsu ohio mm-hmm. state you know these last few years but they were in the national championship conversation yeah out for years and and like you said colorado uh now that they're in the pac-12 but it i it seems like they're just not close yeah, and and I should walk back what I was saying just a little bit regarding Oregon. Be, be, before Oregon, the, the the closest thing we've had, and it was a true sort of 
I don't even know if you want to call it a dynasty, but a, an oh. era of dominance was USC with Reggie Bush right. and Matt Liner. They had a good, put together a good two or three year run. Well, even after that, and Mark Sanchez, Mark Sanchez, and, yeah, you know they they had like you said they had a lot of talent, a lot of talent come out mm-hmm. of there and uh, on the lines and uh, both sides of the ball, both sides mm-hmm. of the ball, and mm-hmm. for what they you're right, they they were in the conversation, and that's been the most recent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people, it seems like people still sort of expect them to get back there and they just never do, Uh, you know, every year, even when they're the favorite, like this year, they were the favorite to win the PAC 12 South and be in the PAC 12 championship Mm -hmm. game. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's fine. But it, I mean, it wasn't even, there wasn't even a glimmer of them being mentioned for the playoff. No, and it's 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 a little it's kind of sad too because these are I would say these are um, these are sort of historically some of the the most notable universities uh, in sports, right? UCLA, sure. your USC, I mean, and they've they've been irrelevant really uh, for the yeah. past at UCLA much longer, but USC probably yeah. for fifteen years now. And isn't it, it Chip Kelly is there now still, right? You at UCLA or is he, did they let him go? No, I think he's still at UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. Struggling, struggling. Struggle blessing. Right. Well, okay. Let's, let's go back quickly and, and yeah, talk about uh, Jim Harbaugh quickly too. There's not much to talk about here. He re-signed a, or he signed a contract extension, I should say, at Michigan. And that was kind of a surprise to both of us. Very surprising. Um, I was, I was really shocked to hear that given the relative lack of success that Harbaugh has had during his tenure there. He came on uh, in 2015. Right, especially compared to the expectations. Exactly. And six years under uh, Harbaugh, he's he's gone 92 and 57, which sounds, you know, uh, that would be great. (laughs) Exactly. I think, uh, you know, any of the schools that we just spoke about would be happy with that record. But, um, you know, with Michigan and the expectations of Harbaugh coming in, and the fact that he's 0-5 against, uh, you know, chief rival Ohio State. He's 3-3 three and three against Michigan State. He's 1-4 and four in bowl games. And he's only been, uh, you know, 1-8 one and, one and versus top 10 teams. So that, that there's a lot of, um, not a lot of notable wins there. Uh, uh, you know, uh, memorable games against quality opponents for um, Harbaugh. So and it was that's a bit what of, you need when mm-hmm. you're a Michigan football program, right? I mean, he he was very successful at Stanford. Very, I mean, enough that they right. hired him. The 49ers yeah. hired him straight from there. Yeah, and he, I feel like his record was much better at Stanford. But then he, here we we go back to this quality of the opposition, right? I mean, he was right. playing in the in the Pac-12, but they did beat Oregon some, right? They beat Oregon a couple mm-hmm. of times. Mm-hmm. They beat the USC's once or twice, mm-hmm. you know, in his short tenure there. He won the bigger games with Stanford, and right. it, it must have been, I mean, you, you have a, I guess maybe you don't have a narrower player pool because when you get to this level of academia, right, that is required at Stanford, mm-hmm. the player pool is is a lot narrower. However, if you are a top athlete that is also uh, a top student, academically where else are you going to go besides stanford right right but if you're chiefly an athlete i mean and not to say these players aren't good academically as well it's just right it's just different it's stanford mm-hmm. the level is different academically but if you're if you're sort of let's call it a regular a regular student 
college student or, you know, high school student going, looking at colleges and you're a top athlete, mm-hmm. it's got to be hard to recruit uh, for Michigan because like we were just saying, when you're winning, it's making the recruiting twice as easy. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's got to be a cakewalk for Alabama, you know, when, when you're going, well, hmm, uh, this is our record at Alabama. This is our, our history of putting players in the NFL. This is our, you know, history of developing this talent, you know, Heisman trophies, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And if you're being, being courted (laughs) by a handful of these big schools, Michigan sort of has to scrap for those, that top talent, doesn't it? Right. These days, I, I think so. I mean, you're always going to get quality. They're always going to uh, have quality um, recruits, but it's not at the level in terms of uh, what you're seeing. Some of the SEC, SEC schools are uh, are getting in terms or of Ohio State for or Ohio State for that matter. matter. Yeah, and and that just speaks to the to what you're saying in terms of um, you know a winning program sort of is the best recruitment tool because the yeah. record speaks for itself. There are a lot of great players out there. Obviously, there's a lot of talent to be found and to to uh, for teams to recruit these mm-hmm. colleges to recruit. Uh, you know what's bringing you to a Michigan over, and we'll 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 get past Ohio State's and Alabama's and LSU's and you know those teams that are the tippy top teams. But go down a tier, right? I mean, what's bringing you to Michigan over you know a Penn State or right. or uh, you know. I mean, even a Northwestern, I mean, that they, that's a different type of school too. Or, or, a, or Penn State, uh, for that matter, right? And so it's, uh, or, or, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, right. te- Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's, it used to be different. It used to be that Michigan was that place. And I think early, it seems like early in the Harbaugh years, that's what they expected. They expected <laughs> him to out-recruit a lot of those similarly positioned schools. And that I think is where he's come up short. Right. Yeah. I, I think he's, he's certainly been a disappointment. It's funny though, because uh, he's been successful everywhere he's gone. Um, yeah. You know, oh, prior, yeah. prior to be even going before Stanford, he was at San Diego mm-hmm. um, and uh, he led them to a 29 and six record during his three years there, which, you know, for a small program, is 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 great and he parlayed that into the stanford gig which he actually wasn't as successful as you um, may think he was 21 and 20 21 29 to 21 his last year though he did go 12 and 1 got it um and then um then again that's when he had a couple few years of recruiting under his belt right right? exactly yeah Yeah. his guys and then uh obviously he went uh came on board with the 49ers and, and just turned that that ship around there and it was just had phenomenal success there and you just presumed uh, and I'm sure Michigan mm-hmm. uh, thought that 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 would just carry through mm-hmm. to uh, they're long enough to have gotten yeah. his guides in there yeah um, the he's yeah it, it's he's been for, he was 49 and 22 at Michigan I guess it is uh, I, I was looking at the wrong record he's okay. um, yeah, yeah he's, like he's been forty nine and twenty two. Yeah, hundred something games is a bit too much. Um, still, um, yeah, it's kind of a surprise. Yeah, yep. but uh, did, did you mention that he took a pay cut though? I believe I read that, and yeah. I'm not sure how much of that was a COVID concession uh, or just a 
<laughs> a way to save them both, to save both sides right. from having to go through a job search yeah. again. Yeah. Right. Uh, I don't know if they have a plan for for making things better or what, but you know, it's uh, like you said. I, it, he seems like he has under underperformed, and so it is a it is a surprise. I, he's such a strange cat. Like it, you know, between him and his brother John, uh, John seems like obviously a hard nosed football guy himself, but he seems like a real human being. <laughs> <laughs> Jim Harbaugh seems like a freaking space alien. He's wow. such he's such in a weirdo. It's space alien in khakis. Uh, um, yeah, totally. Just a strange guy. Um, he's yep. got so many quirks about him. Uh, it's too bad. It would have been interesting to see where he would have landed had he and Michigan not come to an agreement, or right. if they had let him go, because it it would have been interesting to see his next step and how yeah would he, it, would it, people would still believe in him the same way right you know would have he been, just the situation was wrong or whatever do you do you think he ever gets another break uh, uh in the nfl uh, not immediately as a head coach i don't think but yeah. i don't know what he ever spent time as a as a coordinator as a as an assistant coach i, I don't know i don't think he has at the nfl level right i so, think he went straight to, from stanford to, as a head coach and to a head coach at a well, even at college level, I'm not sure. Yeah, but you're right. He went straight to the 49ers, and and he was successful there. So I, maybe he would, maybe he would, based on his record. I mean, he went to the Super Bowl and and had a good shot at winning it, and right. so uh, lost to his brother. Right. So it's, it, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too surprised if he had gotten another if he would even still would get another shot in the NFL. No, the the and and last point on on Harbaugh, but. You know, I, I joke and say that he's a space alien, but th- the truth of the matter is, he is a very sort of—I um, don't know what, how you would describe it—like acerbic personality. He's, mm, um, yeah, and I wonder if you know if some NFL teams or front offices would be put off by him. Um, sure, he's just Especially a different. He's just a different guy. He wants to do he he sees things in black and white. At least the, I'm I'm speaking of uh, as someone who's <laughs> obviously hasn't never has never met him, but he just I'm just telling what I, what I I've seen of him, what I can sure. surmise. He just seems like he sees things in black and white. He has a very um, clear view of what how he thinks things should be run. Got it. Sort and, of my way or the highway. Yeah, in 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 so many ways uh but anyway, uh, yeah. enough about Harbaugh. Right. Um, yeah, let, let's uh, let's quickly talk. Well, we talked about what the we Pac-12, did, yeah. and we don't really know what uh, what happened at the Pac-12 and whether what the remedy is. I I honestly believe it has to come down from the conference leadership, uh, putting more of an emphasis on uh, on football, basketball, on the on the athletic departments. I, you know, I don't know what it is, whether it's giving them more tools or giving them fewer restrictions, or I, I'm not exactly sure. I, you know, not that lowering, I have a lot the, of insight into it. Lowering the but, threshold, the, uh, yeah, the requirement, yeah. Whatever it might be, I don't know, but it seems like the Pac-12 needs a, a boost uh, from top to bottom as far as athletics, if they want to be in that at that level. In it. And, and maybe they don't. Maybe they're happy where they are. Uh, and who knows? Who knows? But who do you think is going to win it all? So we got Ohio State, we got Alabama. Um, and remember now, Ohio State was uh, slept on a little bit coming into the Clemson game. And I mean, it, it this 
I mean, it's obviously so much more than Fields versus uh, the versus. Uh, why can't I think of his name? The, the quarterback, Mac Jones. Mac, Mac Jones. Thank you. Uh, but that's sort of what it's going to be painted as, right? Well, I'm just I'm just going over the weapons. So, for, so number one, this is going to be, in my opinion, it's going to be a great game. I, you've got a uh, you've got for someone that's really into the draft. There's a ton of prospects that are going to be playing against each other, and that's one thing. You know, someone that's interested in the NFL draft, you're always wanting to see is top top mm-hmm. prospects go against other top prospects. Yeah. Um, so there's there's talent across the board on both teams. I will say that um, this ba- Alabama team is not the Al- of the same caliber as the teams that you saw maybe two or three years ago. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, I think they're for sure. Yeah, I think they're they're a little more vulnerable uh, and not uh, don't have as much defensive uh, quality. In terms of talent uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, but and they've got a great running back to match uh, Sermon. They've uh, Nigel Harris. Uh, he's he's a f- phenomenal back. Um, obviously, they have got Devonta Smith, um, but Ohio State can counter with their cornerback, uh, who's likely a high uh, draft pick, uh, Sean Wade. And well, that'll be an interesting matchup. Uh, um, Conversely, uh, with Ohio State, you have their wide receiver, underrated guy, Olave, uh, going against um, uh, Sertan um, for Bama. So, I'm okay. I said all that to say this. Um, I think just because I'm a prisoner of the moment, I'm going to go with Ohio State. Yeah. Um, That's momentum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I reserve the right to change my mind just before. The, uh, <laughs> yeah. The last whistle based on how the game turns out. Yeah. <laughs> based on the, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know, I, uh, it's a, this is a good one. I, and I have to say, and you know, I think the championship game, uh, coming out of college football playoff has been pretty good most years. And I think that there's a lot to be discussed about the pluses and minuses, pros and cons of the, current way that the system is set up mm-hmm. uh you know obviously i feel like it's continually been an improvement uh the bcs people can argue uh you know one way or the other about whether that was an improvement over just picking a champion you know before mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. uh but the football playoff i like it i i think that though some teams could have or should have gotten a a, a crack at uh, being in the playoff that didn't that's fine, but I also believe that for the most part, the best couple of teams usually do end up in yep. there mm-hmm. in one form or another. And I think this is clearly uh, a, that kind of a case where Ohio State and Alabama, I'm not sure anybody would argue, you know, of course, Clemson just lost to Ohio State. So you, it's hard to argue that they should be, that they're one of the top couple of teams and should be playing uh, in this game. Uh, I think that it's it's kind of it worked again this year, and so I I honestly I I it's kind of a toss up for me. <laughs> I think Alabama, and I know that's a cop out, but man, these two teams, right? I I would if I had to choose, I would go the same way as you. I would say Ohio State because they feel like they have the positive momentum. Yeah, but, but Alabama just they they never lack the confidence. Uh, they never lack the the coaching quality they never lack the right talent and on any given day you know if it could go either way you know it could come down to a couple of plays one way or the other and so you know a couple of mistakes or or uh, or that kind of a couple of big plays and so 
yeah, I, I think that whichever way it goes, it's going to be a good showcase. And it might, even if it isn't a close game, it's going to be a fun game to watch and, and a, a good representation of top tier college football and, and it, everybody wins. Totally agree. Good. Shall we take a break? Take a quick break. Uh, and hey, we'll talk NFL. We'll talk big boy football when we come back. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. It's the weekly rundown. We have gone through talking about NCAA football. We've got a championship game coming up soon. It'll be a good one. We touched a little bit on NCAA basketball, but we moved through that pretty quickly. We're on to the NFL playoffs because the playoffs are just starting. We're going to pretend for a moment that the first game of the playoffs hasn't already started. <laughs> right. And we are going to pretend that the Bills and the Colts aren't near the end of their game already. Uh, and let's talk about the playoffs. And and it's a little bit different this year. Slightly changed format. Only one team. There, there, one more team makes it in. And only one team has a bye. So that only the top team uh, in each conference gets a bye. How, how do you feel about that? That, uh, uh, that new twist? Yeah. Um, it's fine. <laughs> I, I'm not uh, particularly. I'm, I'm not against it, but I'm not particularly for it. Uh, you know, sort I would have been fine either way. Sort of indifferent. I, I, you know, sure. I think it's good that that a an extra team gets in. Um, I, I, I always like that. I, I don't think that every team should get in, but mm-hmm. you know, there's. It seems like some team was always was always snubbed or was always just left out. And uh, again, as we, we were talking away from the recording here, mm-hmm. that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the correct team is going to make it in. But, but uh, it is a little interesting, though, having only one team with a bye instead of two. I, I, I'm, it, it's good to reward a top team also, mm-hmm. I think. You know, I, but I think that the number two team usually had earned a buy also, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, uh, sure. Let's see how it goes. Uh, I think it'll be good. We'll, we'll see some surprises. You know, it's always good to have more upsets, more surprises. It's good for, for the fans, you know, to have interesting well, stories. So it's fine. I, I, I'm not against it. Let me, let me ask you this. So as we were discussing sort of offline, you know, with just sort of the complete ineptitude that the NFC East was this year, where you had a seven and nine team in 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 Washington uh, win the division, um, they're hosting a uh, right. playoff game and division you know, winner, right? Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, for the sake of being, I guess, represent giving more advantage to those teams that performed well over the course of the season, the advantage over just winning their division. Um, you know, this is obviously obviously an extreme. Uh, most years, your division winner is not going to be a seven and nine team. Um, but with that said, um, you know, is there is there any alt- alternative that you'd like to see to to see maybe a different system in place where um, t- 
teams are sort of getting bracketed or um it's tough luckily the right where sort of you you played in divisions during the season but but when the playoff when the playoffs come i mean then then why have divisions though right it, it could be the case. I mean, frankly, I mean, you make a good point. Some of these divisions don't make sense to begin with, anyways. Some yeah. of the team, <laughs> geographically, the, yeah, geographically, yeah. So um, you're right. I mean, but if you do that, yeah, you kind of have to do away with the division rivalry thing. Uh, if you just seed by conference, right? It's it's tough. I, you know, this year, luckily, the NFC didn't have a real uh, a real bad. Uh, case of a team getting left out because of Washington. I mean, uh, what was it? The Cardinals, right? Eight and eight. I think right. there was one team that was better than that had a better record that didn't make it in. But on the other hand, in the in the AFC, we did have the Miami Dolphins at ten and six, right? Not get in, and so you know, it it. I don't, I'm not sure the it it would be that cut and dry. I think it's rare, obviously, that we have a team at seven and nine making it in. I think it's it there are several years though where a division winner will get in and cut another team out that people think is deserving. Mm-hmm. Um you know, but I, I also feel like, you know what, this is this is the way it is. I mean it, it you know, it's life's not always fair. <laughs> I, right? I think, I mean, no, I, I get that. I, I think, though, as a general, just as a general notion, right? I think it's more interesting to have the top teams, the highest performing teams, participate in the playoffs. Yeah, sure. Um, Can I? I, w- I would much rather. I, I know they're not in the same uh, conference, but I, you know, just I, I would. I'd much rather see a ten and or 10 and six Dolphins team versus a seven and nine football team. Right. If that makes any sense. Sure. Sure. Um, and, of course, and they, they've earned it. They've earned it. Right. Um, but we're not going to figure this out, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it it's going to solve itself when, when uh, Tampa roughs up the, the uh, Washington football team and, and uh, they get eliminated. So, you know, it's a different sport, but, uh, I guess there is there is a certain excitement too, though, when you have a a wild card team or uh, uh, you know if, if let's just say for some odd reason Washington's able to catch fire and make their way to the championship, the conference championship, or even the Super Bowl, hmm. that that'd be a, a good storyline, um, right? Just the same way, a different sport, but you know the the Giants, the 2010 Giants or 2012, mm-hmm. I forget which uh, they came in as uh, the wild card. Uh, played the one game playoff and ended up winning the World Series. Right, um, justified, and, justified the the wild card. Exactly, setup, exactly. Right? And and I I do remember, you know, as a Giants fan, I remember a lot of the um, the uh, the flack that they got saying, "Hey, they didn't even deserve to be there. They're wild card. They're lower team." The, but the reality is, the the argument as actually goes the other way. It's they played they they played additional games. They beat all the top uh, teams that were supposedly better than them mm-hmm. and won the World Series. So there really is no complaint. There can't, there can't be, right? right. Uh, right. So uh, interesting stuff. Um, but yeah, well, I don't, I I don't, you know, you're right. I mean, sure, any team in the NFL has a shot at any team on any given Sunday, right? That's how the yeah. that's how the saying goes. But but. Yeah, I, I, it's tough to to argue that that Washington should be hosting a playoff game this season. Right. 
I tell you what, let's do some. I'm going to put you on the spot okay. and then do some rapid fire predictions. Okay. Mm, let's do it. All right. Uh, we got the Rams versus the Seahawks. Mm. Uh, I like Seahawks at home. Okay. Uh, you know, the Rams are one of those strange question mark teams that I guess they just couldn't keep the, uh, the chemistry together the way they had it a couple seasons ago. Right. Uh, they haven't had huge injury problems the way teams like the 49ers have. They just, it seems like the magic disappeared after that, that, that Cinderella run of one or two seasons and, uh, that they just, they still couldn't get quite get over the hump, but, uh, no, I like the Seahawks. They, gotcha. they're just, they're, they're more solid. I think top to bottom. Gotcha. Tampa Bay versus Washington. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I like Tampa. I'm not a huge believer in Tampa this season overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their record, uh, flatters them a little bit. Uh, maybe it is a little bit of that Tom Brady, you know, extra magic too, but, uh, no, I, I think that they are good enough to beat Washington. Well, can we can can we just say in, in Washington? Yeah. Um, <laughs> regardless of how you feel about Tom Brady, can you can we all be amazed that he's forty three years old, put up forty touchdowns, over four thousand yards? <laughs> I'm forty three. We're both forty three years old, about to turn forty four. Uh, I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine playing, you know, flag football. Uh, <laughs> At the you know at any level uh, exactly. week in and week out and so yes I, I mean yeah I, I'm not the huge I, I respect Tom Brady I'm not a huge Tom Brady uh, you know fanboy I you can't you can't deny his uh, his record his legacy and his accomplishments et cetera et yeah. cetera uh, but yes I, I think if if there's anything that I will give him uh, more credit than most for it's playing at this level playing at the nfl at all right especially at this level at 43 years old absolutely i can't even i can't even imagine it i, I, I think barely, i can barely run around the block without knee pain <laughs> i think both of us need to get on the uh, tb12 uh, nutrition system <laughs> um baltimore versus uh the titans in tennessee yeah you know that's a good one it's a good one that's the toughest one i think and mm-hmm. and i'll go titans just uh, same deal sort of on a momentum uh, uh, argument. Uh, although the Ravens, mm, <sighs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to take Tennessee. Um, even though the Ravens have have played well uh, on the road, we could talk about home versus away this season too. It's one of those things that there's no home field advantage uh, m- much at all anymore. Most seasons, uh, sure. But maybe maybe this season even more than most. Yeah, uh, with, with so few fans, but ah. Uh, you know, I, I feel like Tennessee has a little bit of that magical, mystical, uh, you know, winningness this season that, that some teams have some some years. And uh, the Ravens have sort of underperformed, although they might sneak up on me. I don't know. I, I that That's the toughest one to call. I'm yeah. saying Titans for no other good reason other than uh, that's how it feels. Got it. Uh, and uh, here we go. The Bears versus New Orleans. And let me say, the Bears have got to be the most under-the-radar uh, under uh, playoff team this year. I've, I've even forgotten uh, that yeah. they were even in the playoffs. Well, remember, early in the season, they, I think they started really hot. They started 4-1 and one or something like that. Right. And, and people were saying, the Bears are back. You know, this is, uh, this is a big deal. And 
but since then they've had a lot of quarterback issues, right? And right. and uh, lots of little things, and it just it sort of fizzled out, and it didn't completely fall apart. But it, obviously they made the playoffs. But what are they? Are they eight and eight? They are. Uh, um, well, that's the thing, right? Is uh, like you mentioned, they have they've had yeah they are eight and eight. It's not like they're a juggernaut, but um, it, you 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 heard about their QB issues all throughout the season, and you just sort of assumed that the team was struggling. Uh, uh, you know, yet here they are. Str- they, yeah, they were struggling, and 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 they they didn't have a QB. Uh, you know, to be able to consistently trot out there. Um, you know, they have Trubisky and Foles and whatnot. You just assume that they were struggling as a team, but uh, apparently they snuck in uh, at eight and eight. So, are you going with uh, wh- who are you going with? No, I'm going with New Orleans. It's sort of a I'd say this one is my most confident, even though the Bears, you don't know. I, they, like you said, they're sort of an unknown quantity in a lot of ways. I, mm-hmm. I feel like they have a, a couple of good quality wins this season also. Uh, but I, I, uh, I wouldn't pick them. I'd pick the Saints. <laughs> All right. And uh, last game, we got Cleveland uh, versus the Steelers in, oh, in Pittsburgh. Know. My the whole hot, the hot my, hand with Cleveland. Exactly. My my head says Steelers, but I it's hard for me to believe in them right now. Uh, momentum does favor the Browns, but they're having a. I believe they're having a COVID. They issue. are. Yeah. Is it, it? I mean, their coach. Is it their coach? Is it can't mm. come to the game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's something a little like that. Something a little like their head coach won't be coming to the game. I I. I mm, this one is 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 a toss up. Uh, uh, more, uh, I believe the Steelers are favored f- because they have a better record, right? Or they're they're at home and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they are definitely one of those teams that lost momentum toward the end of the season. Definitely. Uh, and so I, you know, jeez, oh, you know what? I'll take the Steelers. I don't believe in the Browns. <laughs> I think that's a safe call. Uh, yeah, probably the right call. I, I, I would always, I would always hedge on the Browns doing something Browns like and right. just for themselves, especially when you got especially, Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh, and the first the time in the playoffs, right, and in, in forever, right, uh, young quarterback, his first time in the playoffs. You do see uh, surprise runs in the playoffs in those kind of situations. Sometimes mm-hmm. I feel like there's just too much stacked against them, and. And again, I, I, the Steelers have not been impressing me over the last several weeks. Yeah. Uh, but here they are, man. This is where this was their goal. They got here, and now it's, I feel like they're one of those teams that Mike Tomlin and them, it's just now's the time to go to work. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I would definitely take the Steelers. I, I, I think the Browns overachieved, and uh, I think they're going to be, I think it's going to be back to reality type of thing and and uh, although the, on that that being said it wouldn't surprise me if they won a couple of uh, big games and you know you have some yelling screaming mm-hmm. running baker mayfield celebrating um <laughs> uh, you know because that's those are the stories you know every year yeah. it seems like there's something like that and they're the ones that seem primed to make that kind to, of to story the, happen to have the uh we proved all the, the doubters the, wrong. The, yeah, and, no one, no one believed in us. Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And uh, their record is good, and and they have a lot going for them. Uh, I just think I I'll take Mike Tomlin over no head coach. 
I got, yeah, I'm with you yeah. there. Yeah. Well, what do you think about uh, Colts Bills? Do you have a, a prediction for the last ten um, seconds of this game? It looks. Oh, I'm just. I just scorer. pulled up the score. Uh, Colts well, have the ball. Uh, yeah, Colts have the ball. 14 seconds to go. 24, 27. Buffalo leading. I'm gonna go with Buffalo because they're leading. And, uh, <laughs> You're gonna put yourself out there like that, huh? <laughs> exactly. I'm gonna. Yeah. I, I have no idea where the ball is located on the field. It looks like uh, it's in the Bills' half. Okay. But I don't know anything about the Colts kicker this year. I, I have to admit something. I don't know anything about the Colts this season. Uh, <laughs> well, the, Phil Rivers the team, is the QB. Yes. I, I, they're a team that I have the least insight into somehow this season, I think. Yeah. And, uh, you know. Not not a lot of uh, Colts coverage up in the Pacific Northwest there. No, and and uh, yeah, they weren't on most of the uh, the games, the the uh, network games uh, that uh, that they could choose. Yeah, for this region. So I I just don't know, and I haven't been paying attention. I'm actually shocked that they're eleven and five this season. Uh, I remember I saw that coming into the playoffs, and and I had no idea. Yeah, but, you know, Philip Rivers is another one who's playing well at. 40 plus yeah. uh, former former MVP you know type of player but it, it seems like over our lifespans um, that you've seen sort of the median age of like athletes specifically with the NFL the age that they've been able to play through increased mm-hmm. like four or five I years I, I agree with it's, that it's, like it's, the, it's, the, the top eight not necessarily the median age because you, you see a lot of young players playing more significant roles now I think Mm -hmm. than you used to I think we talked about this a little bit last week right Mm -hmm. where you see younger players coming in and contributing earlier Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but at the same time I guess you could say the the window is just wider yeah Uh, yeah because you're right I think I mean when you look at especially in the NBA I mean you look at LeBron I mean we've had the creams in the league and but I feel like he was really the exception Kareem playing at 40 41 whatever he did sure um. Yeah, I I I agree with you. I agree with you. It's uh, and we're not just talking about kickers, right? <laughs> no, I mean uh, spe- specifically at like the QB position. I mean, yeah. I remember when it seemed like you were pretty lucky to go into age thirty five, thirty six. Oh yeah, that was the and, max. And and now like I mean, look at Breeze is over forty, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rivers is if he's not forty now, he's around thirty eight or thirty nine. Roethlisberger is around the same age. Um, yeah, it's just pretty amazing. I mean, obviously, oh, and Brady even uh, 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 Aaron Rodgers too. Aaron right? Rodgers, I think he's thirty-eight. Yeah, I mean, these are all, and yeah. he had his best year ever. He's he's probably going to win the MVP this year. Yeah, and these are yeah. I mean, that's old by any professional sports standard. Yeah, and yeah. pretty amazing, pretty amazing yeah. because these guys, it's not like they're tiptoeing through their day on the field. <laughs> no. And yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? I'll agree with you on that Bills prediction. All right. Uh, especially now that the game's over and the Bills won 27 <laughs> 24. Uh, and I, I, hey, I talked about some of those magical momentum teams. Do we have one that's a, that's more, that fits that description better than the Bills this season? Yeah. And I, I will say, of, of all the teams, I, I personally like watching them play, um, which is odd to say because I never thought I'd say that about a Bills football team. <laughs> Not since but, uh, Jim Kelly. Yeah, I actually I enjoy watching the 
the AFC teams a little bit more than the NFC. And I've always been sort of favorite the NFC just because uh, my Cowboys have been in that conference. But I really do like the teams uh, the Titans have put out there, the Bills. Um, yeah, so I, I'm, I'm sort of pulling for the Bills uh, to see some success. Quickly, uh, Breeze turns 42 in, uh, in uh, six days here. Wow. Wow. Pretty amazing. <laughs> amazing. So sh- should we switch gears over to the NBA? Let's do it quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, well, what, yeah, okay. We're, we're through the playoffs, the NFL playoffs. So, yeah, let's talk NBA. This is my favorite subject, but we're going we're gonna to spend less time on it this week just because of these uh, big football stories. Yeah, can you, can you give me, share any of your early thoughts of uh, the first two weeks of the, the sure. season? Or? I, I feel like things are finally starting to settle in, settle in a little bit. Uh, we're seeing – we saw a few good teams or, or uh, you know – supposedly good teams get off to really slow starts mm-hmm. and uh you know on the flip side uh the knicks the knicks were you know started five and three right. uh, with a winning record i'm and not i'm not saying the knicks are bad but they're they're the knicks you know over the last <laughs> our lifetime short sample size yeah but, Small but sample I, size. yeah things seem like they're they're kind of getting back to normal now uh you know the with the exception of Seems like the the Denver Nuggets, who mm-hmm. people are seeing, assume are going to be good, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in that top tier, uh, they're still struggling a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but there aren't there aren't huge surprises, right? I mean, uh, the Pacers, I think, are outperforming expectations a little bit. Uh, but I feel like it's it's we're starting to see things. And the on that note, I think the Pacers are criminally underrated every single season. Uh, I don't I don't think they're a favorite. Uh, but I think that people don't talk about DeMontis Sabonis and uh, they do talk about Victor Oladipo a little bit, but he's sort of a question mark still. And, yeah. but that it's, it's really the, the grit and the, you know, I guess they fired their coach uh, Nate McMillan was out. And so it was uh, a question and they might be having a little bit of that new coach uh, bump mm-hmm. to start this season. But when it, people talk about all these teams that are always in the mix in the East, they talk about the Celtics. They talk about the Bucks, of course. They talk about uh, the Raptors, you know, over the last several seasons mm-hmm. and uh, 76ers, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, nobody includes the Pacers in those kind of conversations, it seems like. And they're there every year, every yeah. year. And, and, uh, but then again, then they lose in the playoffs every year. So, yeah, maybe I they love, deserve that. I love uh, Sabonis' game. Oh, me too. Uh, slept on player there. Yeah, uh, I, w- I would say one of the surprises probably you could say is the Bucks, right? I mean, they're five and four, lost last night to, to mm-hmm. the Jazz. Um, uh, they haven't really um, started off the season. Um, I think the way they most people anticipated they would. Um, so I would say that's a bit of a surprise. Um, actually, they've got the same record as the the Warriors. Uh, I think, uh, and I don't know if you caught last night's game or maybe the highlights, but I tell you what, uh, Stephen Curry is, you know, he's putting the team on his back right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Fresh off a, a 62 point game uh, just a few days earlier um, comes through with another 38 points uh, last night comes down, comes back from uh, I believe it was 22 points uh, against the Clippers and is able to help uh, pull out the win. Uh, what I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, you're you're originally from Kansas um, and big Kansas Jayhawk fan. Um, one of the guys on there, I, as I'm watching the Warriors, uh, 
he, you know, I'm texting uh, some of my friends who are also Warriors fans, and I'm, you know, I'm saying I don't, you know, I never thought I'd see a worse shooter than um, uh, Draymond Green. <laughs> uh, some of, just some of the hijinks that Ubre he, the way I described it was this: he, first of all, the guy's incredibly handsome looking, right? Just a good looking dude. Uh, he looks like a male model playing in a celebrity basketball game. <laughs> you mean, but by the way, he's playing also, not just yes, the way he looks. Exactly. Uh, it, 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 you could. There should be a musical bed. Uh, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Benny Hinn, or who's the uh, the? Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. He, he. Okay. He. I, I think we might have even talked a little bit about this last week too. I think I went on a long uh, monologue about the Warriors. It was a lot longer than I, I intended to. But <laughs> it, what's funny about it is when you were talking about Kansas Jayhawks mm-hmm. and then talking about the Warriors and then talking about uh, being appalled at their lack of shooting ability, mm-hmm. I wasn't sure whether you were talking about Ubre or Wiggins. Mm-hmm. It could have been either one. Mm-hmm. And that sort of speaks to the you know, the, the outlook for them. I, I, both of those guys are talented, you know, I should say athletic and uh, have a ton of ability and seemingly have all the tools. I mean, Andrew Wiggins got a large contract. He was a number one overall pick. Kelly Oubre also was a, he was a top high school recruit. That was a, it was a given that he was going to be a one and done Mm -hmm. and, People were talking about is he going to be the next, you know, player that teams are are tanking for, you know, in the NBA to be able to draft when he was when he was coming out of high school. And so this is Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre, yeah. And so Wiggins and Oubre, both of them are are those type of players that that were just had huge expectations, and you know they have the uh, the natural ability. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing is, we've seen Oubre play better mm-hmm. in his career than than we've seen him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he played relatively well in Washington. He never really settled as a permanent starter, you know, contributor there. But then he played pretty well last year for the Suns. Mm-hmm, he did. Uh, I watched him and and he, the Suns though were, were they were sort of like the Warriors are this year, whereas they, they never totally gelled as a team. Mm-hmm. And it didn't speak that well for him that he didn't go to the bubble and they went 8-0 without him. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> I, you know, it, it's that's how I feel about the Warriors, though, is that they have all this talent. That those guys aren't chemistry guys. You know what I mean? They're they're sort of the opposite of glue guys. And right. and I, I don't I don't want to say anything, anything too bad about them because I don't think that they're they're not you know like a cancer to a team type of players, or they're not they're yeah. not a te- a, a player that's just never going to be good. Or I, I don't know. It, it it's tough. They're t- it, they just it's tough to have both of them. <laughs> well, let, let me, yeah, because they, they both they both have similar uh, drawbacks. Yeah, where the, you 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 can see it, you can see the ability, and you can see flashes of of real effort and real, uh, uh, you know, quality. But it's missing most of the time, and I feel like they don't know how to play as part of a system. And at least that's what I've seen. And, and I don't, I don't want to say they'll never do it. I don't want to say, and I, I don't want to sound too negative about it because I, gosh, I really, 
I see it there and I, I want them to succeed, especially on this team. You would think that this would be the one that would get through to them. The team with Draymond, right. you know, being the floor general, the team that has had this successful, uh, as successful almost as, as any, as almost any team uh, has had with the, you know, one or two exceptions uh, over the last several decades, if not the, the history of the NBA. Yeah. And, you know, and then Steph Curry there to mentor and to show them how it's done and to bail them out when needed, et cetera, et cetera. They just, I, I, I almost feel like if you take them out and put some of these young guys that were in the rotation last year, they wouldn't be any worse off. I, I and, and that go the thing is that goes from a, that the exception is Ubre, I think is a better defender. Mm-hmm. I think he's a higher effort guy and they're both long and they're both athletic. And I think Ubre is a better defender than Wiggins. Uh, For sure. So he's valuable there. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's tough. I'm kind of at a loss. I'm kind of, so, like, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, from what I've seen from uh, Wiggins this year uh, and last year with the dubs, uh, I think you described him right. Uh, he's someone that uh, will surprise you because you don't expect anything from him. And you, when he does something like, you know, athletic or, uh, you know, does a pick and pop, um, you're like, oh, or, you know, where did that come from? Uh, yeah, it's, you're a, excited. it's almost you, like you forget about him. Yeah, you're excited you know, to see more. Playing. Yeah. Right, and then he'll do something. You're like, oh, okay, that's the reason why. Um, right. it, it, another shot. It, there's no consistency there. He's he he'll get you 22 on one night and then 12 the next night. Um, the thing with Ubre is this is really my first time being exposed to Ubre. Now I will say, you know, they only played three preseason games this year and I caught right. one of the preseason games and, and I watched that game specifically to watch him. And he really surprised me. I, I, I was texting some of my uh, friends uh, saying, Oh, this, he looks great. You know, yep. he's, he's yep. knocking down threes, you know, swooping in dunks, you know, uh, rebounds, uh, you know, um, good team defense. Um, and so I might have just caught him at, at a high point because I was right. feeling good about it. Yep. And, well, and he will have games like that. Right. And he will have several games like that. And they won't necessarily win those games, but, the, you know, he will flash those things. And when he gets on a roll, he's, he's really good and really tough to stop because he can hit knockdown shots and he can get to the hole and he can get put back dunks and he can get blocks and steals. And he, can, he has the whole package available to him. Uh, but it's a flash in the pan. I mean, it's like you said, you, he'll, he'll, he'll show it to you one game, one quarter, one half. Yeah. Uh, and then it'll disappear for games at a time. Well, to, to his credit, I will say he's active on defense. Uh, yeah. and yeah. he's, he's, his rebound numbers are, uh, up from where they've been in the past in terms of his other teams and based on the number of minutes he's playing. But, um, he, he's been so bad that offensively if you've if you've watched basketball enough you've seen a million missed shots uh and you don't think twice about it it's just a missed shot it's just part of the playing the game right um he's been so bad that i've vicariously been feeling for him through the monitor through the tv it, you could just see his confidence just getting crushed let me put out some numbers for you uh-huh. on this on the season granted it's only been nine games but these are numbers nevertheless uh, he's six for 45 from the three point line for a robust 
Um, he's shooting 33% overall um, uh, field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but it's the stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I saw him twice um, get the ball at the elbow um, or behind the arc and step out of bounds, just goofball stuff, like not stay in bounds um, as he's driving. Um, I've seen passes go through his hands. I've seen him uh, be completely lost and turned around on on uh, in in the offensive set uh, and not expect the ball. <laughs> Who was it? Steph, uh, I don't know if it was yesterday's game or the game before. Steph did a behind-the-back pass, and it um, went off of uh, Ubre's forehead because uh, he wasn't <laughs> expecting it. It's right. Just, so... I, you know, uh, offensively, he's been a complete disaster. And this is this is coming from a guy who has watched Draymond Green um, play offense for the past, you know, six or seven seasons. Couple. Yeah. And, right. uh, it, and obviously, Draymond Green, his impact on the game is goes well beyond uh, offense. He's not there for offense. Right. But and he's, the stat sheet. Yeah. he fills the stat sheet. He, he, he contributes in other ways. In other ways, I, right. I haven't seen that from Oubre. Um and the, here's the here's the last point: the the, the Warriors, uh, due to the luxury tax, they're paying close to eighty million dollars right. for Ubre. Can you believe that? Well, yes, uh, I, and here's why. And that's not for four or five seasons; that's for one year. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and here's why. I I always believed. And the thing is, I don't think this is going to come true, but I believed that they intended to trade him. Uber? Uh, yeah. Uh, because he's a salary match. Uh, you know, and Wiggins too. Uh, they, but because they didn't pick him up until after Clay got injured, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're going to... They had a big trade exception somehow, right? They signed him uh, under some uh, big, uh, some, you know loophole mm-hmm. and I didn't think it was going to be hardened but I felt like they were going to trade for somebody like to package fill that. him or- yeah yeah I mean, whether it was Bradley Beal or uh, you know one of these other players that is you know in the at the max level mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking salaries and so it would be hard to trade uh, but if you can package Wiggins and Ubre, the, the you can make you get it at a salary match because they don't have anybody else on that roster that they could put together in a trade for a top player. Uh, and so I, that, that was my prediction mm-hmm. because like you said, it was a big story when they signed him mm-hmm. that it was going to be a huge hit. And of course it, you could spin it a lot of ways. I saw people talking about, well, that shows a lot of confidence and, you know, in him and it's got to feel good. It's almost flattering, you know, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they're willing to take that kind of hit and, uh, you know, they believe in enough in the rest of their team, you know, type of thing that, uh, that this is, it's going to be worth it. Uh, and I thought, well, they're smarter than that. You know, that, that that's a huge hit to take, especially in uncertain revenue type of season. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that this is part of a plan that they have <laughs> to, to ship him out, you know, yeah. Uh, and I guess that remains to be seen. The, the trade deadline not till March, but um, I I didn't I didn't ever see this roster, you know, as it it, is, it didn't it didn't quite fit. It doesn't it doesn't quite fit together. 
Um, yeah, but, and I know. I know. And again, that- I I'm not I'm not anti Ubre or anti Wiggins. I, I would take Ubre over Wiggins, despite these numbers that you're that you're throwing out. I think that's a slump for him. I think he'll they'll they'll they will those numbers will rise a little bit for him as the season goes on. Yeah. Uh, I just think that the expectations are big because they are, were always such highly touted players mm-hmm. and they've just never lived up to them. The thing is that I don't know if they, they will accept, you know, sort of mentally, emotionally, will they be the type of players that, Hey, if they get a diminished role, are they going to perform well? Right. Yeah. Uh, will they, will they sort of, uh, I, it, I don't know. Again, I, we can talk about this all day, but but uh, no, it does, Steph is going to have to keep this up for the Warriors to really uh, make a good any kind of run this season. And, so. and I don't, I don't think it's sustainable. Um, I, I, I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from Wiggins. I think his contribution is acceptable. I still think yeah. they are lacking a third consistent and reliable score to yeah. sort of help carry the burden that this is not sustainable for curry curry can't do this no no well the thing is uber can be that guy i mean we've seen him we've seen him flash it and Mm -hmm. more than just a game at a time uh for phoenix last year so it could he could round into shape here i gotta see it to believe it man because this is some of the worst basketball i've ever seen in my life and i'm not just picking on him I, i i have every as a fan i have every reason to want him to succeed but it has been uh, a fiasco on the floor and it, to the point that I've actually feel bad for the guy watching him because his confidence has got to be just shook right now. And I don't know how you reset in the middle of the season. That's something like you kind of have to just let the season. You, you have you to gotta, play it. Yeah. You have to play through it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think he will get better. I think he'll round it. And I, I'll tell you what, they have surprised me a little bit because after those first few games, uh, it didn't look good. It didn't look good. And of course, the first few games, we, we, as we know, I mean, look, we've seen the opposite from uh, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where they, they've come back to earth uh, and they're five and five. Right. And I mean, those first couple of games, it looked like they were going to breeze through the East. And so, so yeah. you never know. You never know. All right. Let's, uh, let, what about you? Any, any big surprises uh, so far this season? No, not so far. Um, I would say, um, you know, I think I na- sort of named it uh, the uh, the Bucks. Just uh, surprised at um, struggling a little bit, str- struggling a little bit, given that they're sort of, you know, the core of their team has been together for a while. So it's uh, well, it's, well, you got a brand new guard, you know, brand new point guard, Drew Holiday, mm-hmm. and you shipped out George Hill and Eric Bledsoe, and they've been there for years. And so, it, I think that it doesn't surprise me hugely that there's a readjustment because I, mm-hmm. I thought the same thing last year with the jazz. I, I thought the jazz were going to be a bigger player last year mm-hmm. after they added Mike Conley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, but it took them a while. And then of course they were missing one of their starters, right? Bogdanovich in, uh, in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they still barely lost to the, to the uh, nuggets in seven. But, I, I, that it, what happened was it took a while. It took a while for, and especially at the point guard spot, you know, here's the guy who's going to have the ball in his hands more than anybody else. And so uh, there's got to be an adjustment period. As well, good me, as True Holiday is mm-hmm. and, and the rest of, as good as the rest of the team has been for the last couple seasons. Well, let me, let me ask you about a team that's close to you, uh, geographically, uh, Portland. 
Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have they been performing in your eyes? Uh, well, I I could continue the same uh, line of thought that I was just uh, speaking about. I think they're underperforming, uh, under expectations right now. What are they? Four and four. Four and four. Yeah. Uh, everybody expected them to take a big leap defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, adding uh, who they added and sort of the opposite has happened. I think they're in the bottom half of the league still defensively. I think they, they might have improved. I think they were one of the bottom couple of teams last year, mm-hmm. uh, something like 28th. And I'm sure they're a little bit better than that. But I think that they're still bottom half defensively. However, you know, they have brand new players. You know, this is, mm-hmm. it's, they have two, I think they're starting two new players, two of the new players, right? Uh, Covington and uh, Derek Jones Jr. So, Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still missing uh, one of their front court players, Zach Collins. And, you know, it, it's, uh, I think, yes, they have underwhelmed a little bit. And even uh, Lillard, actually, I think his scoring is coming back up a little bit the last few games uh, because he was getting early MVP talk. Mm-hmm. But that was, of course, before they played any games this season. <laughs> Uh, but based on his, the, how the, his momentum is, right, the last few years, and then uh, the way he played in the in the bubble in Orlando at the end of right. the season, so I they're another team. I think that you know almost all these teams they're kind of having to to round into shape. Uh, it's not a big surprise that the Lakers are ahead of the curve that way. They did the same thing last year with almost a completely brand new team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that, and a lot of that goes to you know credit to LeBron and the way he approaches everything and his sort of gravitational pull, right. uh, you know, where the, you know, other players will just sort of, they're happy to be there and to be with him and kind of fall in line and it, and it all works out uh, and the way he plays. But uh, you know, the, the, the biggest surprise to me on uh, is uh, in the, in that category though, too, is the nuggets. Uh, they lost a couple of players but their the, their main core is intact, mm-hmm. and they they don't look good at all. Uh, you know, Jokic is Jokic, but he's a little bit down. He starts every season, I think, a little bit out of shape. Uh, but I think they're two and five, maybe or something. They're 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 struggling, um, and I think they won't be in the top couple of seeds in the West like they have been the last few years, uh, based on what I've seen. I think that. The rest of these teams, they, they will round uh, into better shape too, but I think they're going to go down a notch. And so, yeah. Anyway, I don't, this is too long winded to, to answer your question, but I think the Blazers, <laughs> the Blazers will be fine. I, I don't think that they're going to uh, contend in the West. I don't. I think they will uh, be about where they were last year, to be honest, and and, so, and struggle to get one of the last couple of seeds. It's always a little surprising because th- to me, on paper, they look pretty solid I agree. Uh, and uh it, it's it's strange that they struggle um and well, their, I, their two guards are wizards offensively mm-hmm. but they're also both undersized and uh, uh really struggle defensively they're 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 don't get me wrong they're not bad on right. defense cj mccollum and mm-hmm. damian lillard they're passable defensively they're they're good they're just they're small and they're they're both small. They're I think they're shorter than me. I think they're about six three, uh, and and that's when you have two guys like that, it's tough to compete. Yeah, at your guard spots. Um, 
Let me ask you a juicier question. Mm. If you had to tra- trade one, oh, which one on. are you? Which <laughs> which one are you doing? That, that's not a that's not a tough question. I oh, okay. I love C.J. McCollum, but it, you you can't trade Lillard. Yeah, uh, he's part of Portland, the fabric of Portland now, right? He is going to arguably go down as the best Blazer ever. Wow! At this point, um, and. CJ, it, it would be tough. It, it it would be a you'd have to really get something good in return uh, well, for, for CJ. But it's the thing is they need that balance. They need a little bit more balance on the roster. And and as good as they are as a one-two punch, uh, I think that they mirror each other's games enough. Mm-hmm. You know, CJ is a little bit craftier on the dribble, and obviously Lillard is a little bit stretchier with the distance shooting mm-hmm. um but lillard has a little bit more of that superstar flair yeah. and yeah. and uh, star power already and obviously has more games where he scores big big points and can take over and dominate uh and cj has had a few solid games like that where he'll go on scoring runs but it's different he doesn't have that uh, that whatever it is mm-hmm. that that just he gets into that unstoppable you know carry carry a team like we were talking about Steph Curry has done a couple times already this season mm-hmm. he doesn't quite have that the way that a Curry or a Lillard has it uh, yeah. or the other top type of players you know uh, uh, Giannis or Harden and and uh, those type of players he doesn't quite uh, have it and it's it's an easy it's an easy one it, it would be a it would be a big loss and you I'd have to really see something good in return, but you know, there's no question that you you would choose to keep Lillard. No, I think it's well put. Um, although I would say, um, I think Kevin Duckworth has something to say regarding the <laughs> Blazer. Oh, what, what about Uncle Cliff uh, Robinson? Cliff Robinson, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who else? Or Arvidas. How about Arvidas? Arvidas a bonus. Yeah. <laughs> although, although we will this this kind of a sad story around here, but it would have been. He would have had some competition from Brandon Roy if Brandon Roy could have stayed healthy. I think that's true. Before his uh, knees gave out, right? Oh, uh, yeah. That's a that's one of those Northwest tragedies. Yeah, is it? Well, is he around here? Is he still around? Sort of kicking around, playing, uh, I th- uh, small mm, minutes. <laughs> Brandon Roy. Yeah. No, no, he retired, and I think he tried to come back, and I think he was on the Timberwolves roster for maybe 10 games or something before he realized it wasn't going to work with his uh, knees. And so, but what he did do is uh, he went into coaching and, and I think he, I think it's a high school, something, you know, around his native uh, Seattle. And uh, he, it might've been some small college. I, gosh, and I, I should know more about this, but he, he went into coaching and I think got pretty successful at it. Yeah. Uh, pretty kind of almost right away. Uh, but yeah, it, that's one of those tragedies that, uh, that has, will never, it's, it's really one of those, what if type of situations. Yeah. Uh, sort of like, what if we drafted Michael Jordan instead of Sam Bowie or what, what if we draft, <laughs> right. what if we drafted Kevin Durant instead of Greg Oden, you know, uh, Oof. they just, there, there's, I feel like, uh, no wonder there's so much, uh, angst. Over in uh, Portland right now, huh? Well, we 
they they cling on to their their glory more than most. Let me tell you that. There, <laughs> there is a you know, they, they won the, they won the championship in 1977. Yeah. Okay, Bill Walton and them, right? Yeah. Uh, there is a bar in town called Spirit of '77. Nice. And they because that's what that's what they have. And you know, you, you got kids. You know, what was that? Forty. 40 almost 44 years ago you know you got kids that aren't 40 i say kids you got people that aren't 40 talking about that championship like it was the the, the good old days <laughs> kids that weren't even born <laughs> oh well we got it we got it one in 77 yeah you know? that's no, funny. That was 44 they, years ago kids the poor t- those poor guys they probably keep trotting them out uh uh for like uh commemorating them during halftime yeah. <laughs> how many how many trips has uh, Walton made back yeah there to, well, uh, Dr. Jack Ramsey was the coach and yeah you know they they he had he was famous for the plaid jackets and so they have plaid you know merch yeah. and and uh, they you know they oh man but don't get me started but you know what I love they, they have great fans they give yeah. they have great fans up here uh, I wish that they had more to hold on to than the one but uh <laughs> no that's cool though it is it i guess so there's worse so. things to, well, there's worse things in the world that's true i can still make fun of them for it though <laughs> exactly all right well i think that wraps it up or what, what let's uh touch on what we're going to be covering next week yeah well you know we're going to have a a uh, winner of the college football championship game yeah we'll have a uh, lot to discuss we're going to have NFL first first playoff yeah first week of uh nfl uh, playoffs more nba uh, hey, it's the transfer uh, month in soccer. I know you're excited about that. We could touch on that if you want. I uh, got a lot of content ready for next week yeah, okay. on that. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe I'll talk about something because I do. <laughs> I do watch. I do watch those. Uh, those some of those European soccer clubs and uh, to see what they do. Come on, we we could talk a little Lionel Messi, right? A little Leo Messi, a little little Cristiano Ronaldo. I'll be here. Okay, I'll You'll let you have the floor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right all right but it'll be good it'll be good because it's this is this is football time right it is football time i tell you what uh what i'm gonna do is uh somewhere in the deep in the recesses of my garage i have some old uh rundown cds or tapes uh i think it'll be fun to uh, one of those one of those cds we have uh uh, we looked at the draft and and projected how we thought each of the prospects would do. Wow. This was 15 years ago, uh, so I think it'd be really fun to uh, if I can find that uh, is to go back through some of the more notable ones mm-hmm. to see how uh, how things happened in reality versus how we uh, predicted. Uh, always, always yeah. be fun. And next week, I, I mean. Sorry, I, I was just looking at the time. We've been an hour and fifty minutes. This has got to stop. <laughs> okay, we got. Yeah, maybe maybe just two big subjects. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. Uh, well, let's sign off and uh, and we'll we'll talk more next week. Sounds good. All right, take it easy. <laughs>